Good morning, everyone. It is good to be here with you. It does seem like we've missed a lot of uh, together time in the last month or so, and so it is very good to be together. <clears throat> Laverne handed me a program this morning, and I told him, I guess, if I would have had notes earlier in the week, I could have had some of them in the program that my notes tend to be a little fresher than that. And a substantial number of them were developed, you know, in the last six hours or so this morning. So that's just uh, kind of how things gel for me. And um, But we are here uh, for a communion service this morning. You know, it's a, that's an important part of church life. And um, it sort of symbolizes not just sort of, it does symbolize the reason that Jesus came and the, the center, the essence of why Jesus came. And, um, I, could, I could probably reduce this, this sermon down to just several minutes, and I think I did that for Derek uh, Wednesday evening. Uh, I'll spend a little more time than that on it, but I think my major premise this morning is that our commemoration of Christ's death and remembering Christ's sacrifice, his life and sacrifice um, on the cross is, is symbolized and typified in these emblems that we take this morning. But in a larger sense, I think we, our lives need to be extensions of this communion, commemoration that we offer to God. So that's the, the nutshell, and I'll put some flesh on it <clears throat> for us this morning. I feel like this is a, I've never preached a communion service uh, in English at least. Uh, so uh, pray for me that this can be delivered as God wants it to be. <clears throat> so I've read and reread the passages that talk about Jesus instituting the communion the Last Supper, and I'm hearing more and more in my mind the command of our Savior to commemorate his sacrifice. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26, he said, Now receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And then verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So the question I want us to ask ourselves this morning is, how do we accomplish this properly? How do we fill this, this commandment, fulfill this commandment? And interesting to note there what Paul said, I received from the Lord this this teaching. So we know Paul's history. He was not part of the uh, disciples, the 12 apostles. Paul was taught later. Um, 
So Jesus himself passed on this instruction to to Paul, Saul, um, Saul and then Paul, um, that he had also given to those 12 men gathered in that upper room that night. So it's important. Communion is important. The Last Supper is important. And I want us to think about our lives being an extension of that service. You see our verse on the board. Uh, I'm going to be using those first two words a lot. This do. And you'll be catching on. I'm not just talking about taking a morsel of bread or drinking a bit of the cup. What is the this that we're to do, not just here this morning, but also with our lives? How do we accomplish this commemoration properly? Is there meaning beyond just commemoration? Is partaking of the emblems all we do to obey the Lord's command? Or can we partake of his essence, who Jesus really is, and live in remembrance of him by living sacrificially as he did? In other words, can we proclaim the Lord's death in our living? And I think we can. So let's talk about it. Now, over the centuries, there have been many discussions over the communion ceremony and what actually is happening when the emblems and the, with the communicants as this ordinance is celebrated. And we'll just leave it that there is mystery there. We don't possibly likely understand it fully. So I believe the, what Paul and, and our gospel writers were talking about as, as Jesus instituted the Last Supper, instituted, I'm sorry, instituted this communion service, that is the interpretation that what we're doing today is following the interpretation, the instructions that Jesus gave us. Uh, but in thinking practically about this, I believe there are several applications of those verses that uh, I hope encourage us in living out Jesus' life. And while the interpretation, you know, will all be those of us taking communion, local body members, um, we'll be following that interpretation, but there is room for... I'm not sure how many we are here this morning, but there are 60, 70 different applications of what this means in our everyday lives here this morning. One for each of you. You can take this message that Jesus gives us, I believe, and and live it out with his help. What if we gave conscious thoughts to our moments and days and listened for Jesus' voice saying, This do, not just a memory of a past event, but an active doing. Maybe that sounds a little simplistic, like wearing a wristband that says, What would Jesus do? Though that's a great admonition. Um, It's not just a memory, though, for us. It's an active doing. Of late, I've been hearing him say to me, I think frequently, this do. And that's not just for the big things in life, but there's also those moments or those situations, uh, things that come up in our lives, the issues we find ourselves confronted with, choices we make. All of those, I think, can fit into that this 
do that Jesus is calling us to. So I'm wanting this question to come before us, not just as a quarterly exercise at communion time, but as a part of our everyday lives. So let's look now to, we use Paul uh, there from Corinthians. Let's look now at Luke chapter 22. And we'll read the story there of the events leading up to to Jesus celebrating the Passover with his disciples. So in Luke chapter 22, um, Dr. Luke has a detailed account for us. Uh, All the Gospels have the upper room story, but there are different levels of detail and emphasis. All have the Passover supper. Matthew, Mark, and Luke include the institution of communion, and John has the institution of foot washing. I like the detail that Dr. Luke brings to the account, so we'll read that one today. And I'm going to start in verse 7 because there's some fascinating details that lead up to their finding this upper room to start with that I think um, just helps set the context. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. So they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? Reading from the New King James Version. And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, this is Jerusalem, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him to the house where he enters, which he enters. Then you shall say to the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished upper room. There make ready. And they went and found it, just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve disciples with him, large table, and he said to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. So I really like this story. Um, I've titled this part of it, The Intentional Jesus. Uh, There's such a mix of human logistics and divine intervention here. Those of you who have been involved in planning meals or feeding crowds or uh, finding places for activities, you know that you need an adequate place for events to, to take place. And I, I don't know if the disciples ever got used to being surprised by being around Jesus and with what uh, things that he had happened. You know, the time they needed to pay the tax and they found the money in the mouth of the fish. Surprise. Uh, there'd be other, other times, you know, the draw to fishes, the big fishing trip where they caught all those fishes at the Lord's commands. Passover was on every Jew's mind at this time of the year, and it was no surprise for the disciples that Jesus would want them to eat it together. 
the Master and his disciples. They had seen this coming. They had been heading for Jerusalem for some time. Dangerous as that was for Jesus. And if you look back, way back in Luke chapter 9, the same book, in chapter 9 already, uh, we're told that it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go towards Jerusalem. So Jesus had a plan, and he was steadfast. It's a good word. I couldn't think of really adequate synonyms. He was steadfast to carrying out his mission here on earth, and that was at Jerusalem. Now here they were, and Jesus knows just the place for the group to go. His disciples, not so much. Peter and John were sent on ahead following a man that Jesus said would be carrying a water pot, a bit of unusual uh, in their day, that would, who would lead them to a house where there was a willing owner that has a furnished upper room for, and that was just waiting for them. What a coincidence. Not so with Jesus involved. It all transpired just as he told them. Confirmation to that group of disciples that Jesus was somebody special, is somebody special. So when they're all gathered together, Jesus tells them he's been looking forward to this meal, to this Passover meal. He said, with desire. He has been, this is his purpose to be here, to gather with this, shall we call it a fellowship of sufferers. Ten of these men would also die by martyrdom. John lived to an old age, and of course Judas took his own life. Jesus liked these guys. He loved them. But Jesus was intentional about his purpose. He was intentional about that sacrifice that he was going to offer up. And this struck me recently that our intentional Jesus institutes an ordinance here and asks his disciples to partake of the symbol of the bread to commemorate a sacrificial act that he had not done yet. He was planning ahead. He was confident. He was steadfast that he would carry out the Father's will for him. So let me repeat this. What am I saying? Hear me out. Jesus steadfastly moving towards the time of his suffering, planning to do the will of his Father, Though Gethsemane was just hours away, when his his humanity struggled with the task that they as a trinity had agreed upon, even so Jesus was intentional about doing his Father's will. In Hebrews 10, it tells us that Jesus said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. Jesus had a purpose here. How do you start your days? Looking at the life of Jesus is a pretty high standard for us 
mortals who live in Camel County or close by. I'm afraid I'm often a little bit aimless when I should be more focused about what I plan to do today or tomorrow or next week. I'm thinking I could be much more focused on the important things of life if I woke up in the morning and asked myself what I could do for the kingdom today. What does Jesus this do for me today? Now, let's be sure. I'm not talking about vague self-improvement exercises here. You know, we could all be more organized. I certainly could. You can take courses uh, where you use your human efforts to do better and be more structured in your life and and um, get more done and you don't need so much sleep anyway. You could just get a lot more done, learn new languages, all of those things if we were just intentional and structured and dedicated. I'm not really talking about that. There's a measure of that I think uh, that humanity could benefit from. But I'm asking, I'm suggesting we ask or develop a habit of asking God for practical directions for our days. Things like, and this is where these things get practical. We've had the example of Jesus being intentional and coming to carry out his Father's will. But... What about things like who should be on our prayer list? We need reminders. We could spend a little time thinking about that in the morning, couldn't we? Or is there someone we should connect with today? Hmm. With email, WhatsApp, text, and cell phones, there are many possibilities to find a good level of communication to command, encourage, or bless someone. Electronics get a lot of blame for evil, probably rightly so, but let's redeem their use and bless other people with them. Talking about being intentional, thinking about our actions, thinking ahead to our actions and how we should be living our lives in ways that would honor Jesus' sacrifice. Is there some unfinished business from yesterday, if that happened, we humans feel, and sometimes, I'm sorry, we humans, we do feel, don't we? We humans fail, and then others feel, too. Uh, sometimes we don't realize how poorly we've done until we, our head hits a lumpy pillow, and we think of how we could have done better, or who we might have hurt. And when we can't sleep, is there a to-do on the, or this do, on our list in the morning? If we're quiet, sometimes that happens. We'll have a this do in remembrance of me that the Spirit might be reminding us of a confession or a misunderstanding to clear up or a relationship that is strained. Sometimes that's what our intentions should be to take care of things we've done wrong yesterday. We should be open to spontaneous acts of kindness or blessing. Thanks, Naaman, for the truck story yesterday. Naaman told me about an opportunity he was suddenly presented with to bless someone as he had been blessed, and he did it. That sounded like a God thing to me. 
just to do those kind of things in remembrance of Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. So I'm saying let's plan ahead and intend to do things like these in honor and in remembrance of Jesus, following his example of steadfastness and looking forward to being dedicated to intending to carry out good things for the kingdom today or this week or in our lives. But life isn't always scripted. Do your days always follow the plans you make in the morning? Mine don't. Does your to-do list get the last item checked off as you crawl happily into bed at night? Mine doesn't. What about surprises? What about unpleasant, painful surprises that happen in our lives? It's hard to plan ahead and be intentional about all of lives, at least in specific. Sometimes we, we do want to be intentional about reacting well as things come our way, and we can make a vague statement or ask God for strength for the surprises. But what if you woke up with the same pain you had yesterday? physical or otherwise, what if your life is difficult and your brain is foggy and it's hard to stay on top of life and this has been a pattern for days or weeks or a long period of time? What if the word intentional isn't in your vocabulary? What then? What do we do with God who is sovereign, we know, and allows things into our lives. What do we do with that? How can we be intentional with God at those times? Well, I think we need to hear Jesus calling us, even as we struggle to surrender to the circumstances he's allowed in our lives. And this do, too, in remembrance of Jesus. Fight the good fight. Our flesh is where our battle often is. It wants to hang on to hurts and question why. But when we choose to follow Jesus' example of selfless submission in accomplishing the plan of redemption, we commemorate him with our lives. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done, Jesus said. So this do, let's respond in a Christ-like way to hurts from others, to just the circumstances that come, the physical issues, we can respond well to those things. How can we? We are human. To forgive is is divine. To respond well to hardship, pain, and difficulty takes more strength than we have. I know that. But I believe that recognizing God allows hard things gives us an opportunity to involve Jesus in them and do this and this do in remembrance of him. And that going through those things and doing it well with Jesus' strength and for his honor gives us a chance to proclaim his death till he come. There's a story that I would like to read that I think illustrates how God works with our frail human strength. Um don't have an object lesson for the children this morning, but here's a story anyway. Um, it's a fairly advanced story, and it's a lot of you may have heard it. It's from a guidepost story about Corey Tenboom. 
the Jewess, who um, oh, we know some about her story. I'm sorry, she was a, a Dutch lady who hid Jews in Holland during the Second World War. And um, she had a hard situation that happened to her during the war where she was actually captured and they were she and her sister and mother I believe were taking the story will flush that out but they were taken to a concentration camp let's listen to the story and how she struggled with forgiveness with doing things God's way until she felt God's strength it was in a church in Munich that I saw him, a balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat with a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I'd just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. It was 1947, and I had come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. It was the truth they needed most to hear in that bitter, bombed-out land, and I gave them my favorite mental picture. Maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind, I like to think that that's where forgiven sins were thrown. When we confess our sins, I said, God casts them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. And their solemn faces all stared back at me, not quite daring to believe. There were never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947. People stood up in silence. In silence collected their wraps and in silence left the room. That's when I saw him working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. And it all came back in a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fraulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. It was the first time since my release that I'd been face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. He was saying, I was a guard there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. Again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there. I, whose sins had every day to be forgiven and could not. Betsy had died in that place. 
Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I'd ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives a prior condition, that we forgive those who... The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I have had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. Those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was simple and as horrible as that. But still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me, and as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. And for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner, and I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. For Corey, that evening, that was a this-do moment. This-do in remembrance of me, in remembrance of Jesus and his sacrifice, who forgave and when she took of her feeble human effort and stretched that her cold hand out to his, God did the rest. And I think that's what happens for us. Uh, we, we're not talking self-help here and things that we do to lift ourselves up. We're not talking about bootstrap Christianity. We're talking about small steps of faith that we make to try to do this in remembrance of Jesus, and he supplies what we need or what we lack to make that, to complete that action. Sometimes all we can do is lift our hands a little, but he will enable us if we take that step of faith. So take a deep breath, square your shoulders, lift up your head, and raise your hand. You're not acting on your own as you live for him, as you do this. This is a team effort. Jesus is on your side. You are not alone. And as you respond lovingly in forgiving and in doing, in remembrance of him, then you'll find joy. You'll find strength, and then you'll find joy. You know, Jesus even There's a verse in Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight 
and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured. Jesus went through that painful experience of living here on earth, emptying himself of heaven's glory, coming down, living here, and then dying for the joy set before him. I can't explain all that, but part of that joy was what he found in the desire to meet with those men that night and commune with them. And I believe our communion this morning is part of that filling, fulfilling of Christ's joy. He wants to fellowship with his church. So let's do this as we remember him. In closing, so today as a local body, we will partake of these emblems together in a sacred ceremony, signifying our need for Jesus' shed blood as a group, every one of us. And tomorrow, we'll be back in the shop, the classroom, house, on the farm, doing this and this and this. Each of you will fill in the blank. What this is for you. Let's make sure that working together as a brotherhood is a this do as well. Let's dedicate, commemorate our memories of how Jesus lived and died by inviting him along with us on our journey. This do in remembrance of me. God bless you.